We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to-do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at transformativeprincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. Welcome to Transformative Principal. I am very excited to have on the program today, Dr. A. Catrice Pereira of Gresham Barlow School District in Northwestern Oregon by Portland and Dr. Kimberly Miles, who is the principal at East Gresham Elementary School. Uh, Welcome, Dr. Pereira and Dr. Miles. So excited to have you both here. Thank you, Jessica. I'm excited to be here as well to deliver the perspective from Gresham Barlow and serving that community. Thank you, Gresham. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk with you both as well. This is going to be a great conversation. Dr. Pereira, you have been around the country, worked in education and outside, even worked with McGraw-Hill Publishing. And so you have a different view maybe than people who have grown up in an area. What do you think that broad range of experience brings you that um, that helps you do your job as superintendent effectively? Um, well, the effective part is to be determined. So I will say that <laughs> we're still in the planning process and uh, preparing to do some great things here. But Kimberly will share later about all the great stuff that she's doing in her building. But I will say to you that from the broad experiences that I've had from literally the East Coast to the West Coast um, gives me a perspective of a variety of different perspectives as opposed to just from uh, the lens of being the superintendent in those uh, areas where I've been, I've been in different roles. And so again, it's giving me an opportunity to see it from different places. Having been at the um, corporate level, if you will, with McGraw Hill, I was able to work with like 70 different districts across the nation. And what I found is that truly the whole equity piece means something different 
in each place I have been. However, what is most important is ensuring that we're providing students with what they need. Um, but equity extends more beyond just uh, the student and teacher relationship. It also is applicable when you look at the staffing, you look at facilities, you look at the budgeting piece as well. Um, and so I want to be very clear that when I speak of equity, I'm not just speaking of that classroom piece of teacher and student, but truly looking at it with a broader lens across the district uh, from my perspective. Yeah. And I hear that you've also been described as an equity warriorette, which I think is pretty awesome also. So we often get a lot of confusion about equity and what it actually means. Um, and some people use what I think is the exact opposite of equity to say that it is equity and that's not really. So can you help us understand from your perspective what equity uh, really should mean in a school system? Um, sure. Um, to me, in the school system, as I alluded to a moment ago, that it involves more than just a student and, and, a, and a teacher. To me, that factor is that it is inclusive of allowing us to provide exactly what our students need. And I'm going to equate this back to my grandmother's kitchen, and you're going to go, wait, where is she going with this? But right. when I talk about the equity piece of being in a kitchen with my grandmother, I mean, we can all get the definition of what it means to give people exactly what they need. But I want to paint that picture for you. Um, growing up, you know, at the dinner table, everybody's plate had the same items on it. But depending on your size and who you were, you got just a little bit different portion than someone else beside you. My plate and my grandfather's plate looked very different, although we were both expected to eat everything on our plate. <laughs> um, <laughs> but nonetheless, I got the amount of nourishment that I needed as a growing young girl, and he received the nourishment that he needed as an adult male. But my grandmother made that decision as to what we needed. Um, and I can tell you, I never walked away from that table feeling less served. Uh, I never walked away from that table feeling, you know, like I needed more nourishment. I always walked away full and content and uh, happy with what was provided, unless it was lima beans. <laughs> can I jump in here? Bro? Yes, please. I love that story. It speaks to something that we're really passionate about at East Gresham. And in order to know what portion each student needs for them to grow and thrive and be and become, you really have to get to know mm -hmm. each student. And I purposefully use that word, not every student, but each student, because it really personalizes mm -hmm. the menu items that they need to uh, grow and become. And so as a school leader, that's the perspective that me and the t my team, our team, strive to do regularly is to get to know our students as individuals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wanted to add a little more on that as well, Jethro, if you're okay with that. Yeah, please. Let's just piling it on. Let's go. Absolutely. When I, when I think too, again, about that overall piece um, in a school system, that whole equity lens and leadership piece, what I also know is that in order to be effective, you have to look and see through a sharp equity lens that, not just looking at truly the processes, but you're also assessing whether or not how the culture has provided and welcomed um, individuals, each student, how policies impact not only just programs, um, but also people and students, um, your practices and your processes, the systems that are in place within the school district allows for an opportunity to shape the environment where, again, equity and excellence become not just because we have to do it, but because it's the right thing to do and it becomes a standard. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I alluded to was that uh, people, and I love how you both address this head on, that you need to know the student well enough to know what it is that they need and then give them what they need. One of my mantras for education for a long time has been that we give kids what they need when they need it. And when you have that as your approach, then yes, you need to spend more time with certain kids. You need to spend less time with other kids because those kids don't need the extra help or those kids do need the extra help. And it's important to recognize that that's not being unfair or doing something wrong, but that it is actually serving them at a higher level because you're in tune enough to know what they need to do. And so, you know, I know from you, Kimberly, I saw on your Facebook page just the other day that even in the rain, you're going out to make sure kids get in their in their cars and on the buses, you know, safe and secure and that they get out of the school in a good way. And I think that, that that's just one little piece of you like throwing your arms in the air that you got all the kids on the bus, even though you're drip, dripping wet, you are showing the kids that you want to know each and every one of them. And it's those little things that I think are are really important that sometimes get overshadowed by those policies and practices and systems that don't have as much meaning as those little acts. So what are some of the small things that we should be focusing on more that we're probably leaving behind? Uh, Dr. Miles, if you want to take that first, and then Dr. Pereira next. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jethro. I think what's really important is uh, we just spoke about school culture. And in my opinion, that's what needs to be the foundation of a school community where um, we're talking again like I referenced each child, but also a culture of self-reflection. Am I truly providing what our students need? Is my approach an equitable foundation for them to grow and thrive? And that takes a lot of um, hard work. And sometimes it's uncomfortable and difficult, but it's very critical in order to provide what they need. And so the foundation is culture. and Part of culture is celebrating our students and recognizing them as individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like the way Kimberly um, talked about that, celebrating um, students and what they need. Um, we've done a lot of work here uh, with culturally responsive teaching and learning. And Zaretta Hammond talks a lot about, you know, we for so many years, we've done a whole lot of multicultural activities in schools and in public places. Uh, we've done uh, some cultural pieces, but in order to truly get that, be culturally responsive, uh, we really kind of have to know that social and political piece as well. Um, she talks about not being able to get through this with just celebrating calendar events or holidays or, you know, the, the well-known uh, historical figures in a culture, but really embedding it and twining it throughout your content and curriculum. And it's what we aspire to do here uh, to ensure that we're creating equitable access and opportunities for all of our students but also allowing them to know that they are, they are also important um, and they do and can and will be able to contribute to the uh, progress of not only just the school, but also the community, the state, and ultimately this country. Mm-hmm. Got to shift that mindset. Yeah. And that's exactly where I was thinking as well. It's really important that you share what you're doing with your uh, students, with our families, and communicating to them on a regular basis what exactly we know our children can um, do and do well and how they can incorporate 
that excitement into their own homes. So that, again, the student is celebrated and recognized for the unique individual that they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think one way that you've done that, Kimberly, that is that is really powerful has been with the building of your new school and how you shared all through that process pictures of the updates, special things that your kids did to say goodbye to the old building. And I really think that that was a powerful example of how to make that kind of a transition. I think, you know, having a new building is awesome no matter what, but you made it a a thing to remember. And those of us who were watching from afar could see that and see that example. And it was really about honoring and respecting the kids that you were building that building for. That was just, you know, really inspiring to see. And I felt like every time I got on Facebook, I would see some other update about your building. And it was just exciting to watch that unfold and to see how much care and attention you were giving to ensure that your community could be involved with something like that. Do you have anything to add about that, Dr. Pereira, about about that specific piece there? Well, um, I I do want to say that, you know, most times as I'm out and about in the community right now, we're doing a community stakeholder input sessions on uh, the Student Success Act that has been successfully passed as a new investment in in Oregon's um, education systems, about $2 billion that the governor has committed to our progress. And what I have to often remind and begin with is that when we talk about equity, we're not talking about a piece of pie, right? Just because you get a larger portion because you need to have that piece of pie does not mean that I'm going to get anything less. I'm going to get what I need and you're going to get what you need. And based on those type of things, what I see is that there are um, equity commitments that I think we are trying to commit to here um, in Gresham Barlow. Ultimately, yes, we want every student to be, each student to be successful. However, that begins for me as the superintendent with recruiting and retaining uh, a diverse force, workforce. Representation matters to every single person, right? Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that we're providing equitable access to our students, but also to effective teachers as well. Um, so often in education, we assign our brand new teachers to our most challenging situations. Yes. I can tell you, I would never go to an orthopedic that just walked out of med school for any type of surgery that I need. I'm going to go to the most experienced person. But we do that for social and political reasons in education. Um, another focus area is that you know we're looking to, to reduce disproportionate suspension and expulsion rates. And we're doing, we do that through our policies and procedures that we utilize. And again, also, you know, again, that restorative justice piece, that helps with lowering some of those things. And again, we're trying to embed those cultural competencies in our school practices and partnering with our communities in order to help build allies in the community. To me, that's going to help increase our graduation rate, our student success, and decrease chronic absenteeism. No kid gets up out of bed to come and do math at school every day. (laughs) <laughs> but they will get up project-based learning where they're able to blend in several different content areas um, and show what they know where everyone gets an opportunity to shine as opposed to just the top students who know how to play school. Yeah, you know, the, the, you're touching on two of my really big pain points in education. One is that kids learn early on that they hate school. And this year I'm working at the district office and so I'm a little more separated from kids. But in the morning I teach seminary to uh, students before high school starts. So from 6.30 to 7.20. 
And these kids already know that school is awful and they can't wait for the weekend. They can't wait for, you know, a break from school. And that just breaks my heart because everybody loves learning and everybody gets excited when they learn something new, no matter how old or how young or what their background is. It's always a fun thing to learn something new. And yet we we teach that out of them very early on in school. And the other one is that we put our least experienced people with those that need the most support. And I was one of those people. I went to a, or I, I, my first year teaching was in an urban school in Salt Lake City. And we had a lot of minority students and, and I was the only white person in the classroom. And except for one other student who was really uncomfortable because he and I were the only white ones. And I said, you don't need to be uncomfortable. These are great kids. They're, there's not going to be any problems. And, and everything was great. And he didn't have anything to worry about, but, but he felt uncomfortable because of that situation. And I had no idea what I was doing. I had no business being in there. And my mentor teacher who was experienced had all the kids who were identified as gifted and talented, who many of them happened to be white as well. So it was very disproportionate and it it just wasn't the right thing to do. And so how do we then make that change of getting teachers so that we're not putting the newest people with the most challenging situations? Because like you said, there are social political reasons for that. How do we change that? I'm going to jump in here, Jeffro. Oftentimes when I have a new uh, teacher to the profession, I um, am really excited. And maybe that's a different perspective because then I, as a leader, can partner this person with a collaborative team, a strong collaborative team that can not only act as a support, but can um, empower them to lead in their own classrooms and build the confidence that they initially need in order to reach those individual students. I talked earlier about um, getting to know our students, um, building those relationships and creating that community within your classroom. And I don't think that happens overnight. You really need to have like a mentor teacher leader to support you along the journey. And that is really a wonderful pathway for this new individual to education. And I think that's something that we need to do more of in our schools and our classrooms is to empower our teachers as teacher leaders to build the community and take responsibility of this new staff member to help them on their trajectory of their um, teaching and learning journey. And I will echo um, Kimberly's sentiments on that, um, but that is something that we've adapted to over time. Although we are discovering that it's a, a benefit to our new teachers to be supported by master teachers, if you will, uh, and help them learn that journey along the way. Um, but what we see more, more often than not, or what I have seen, I'll say my experiences especially having been in large urban districts, you have teachers who come in new at a school facility that is has a little bit more challenging uh, population, if you will, and they'll stay there the minimum three to four years and then they transfer to a different end of town where, I guess, a more a different type of uh, family, if you will, is there. Not necessarily that values are different, but uh, less of a challenge uh, with uh, poverty issues and others uh, that come along with it. Um, the Wallace Foundation has done a lot of uh, work on that and studying. In fact, it's worked with states like um, Tennessee um, and others to help them build their leaders around this whole equity playbook is what they call it. That somewhat provides a, a good, powerful um, framework that helps change that dynamic. And again, I don't have the answers to that question totally, but what I will say, it, it has to be systematic 
and it has to be strategic on how we do those things. For example, here in Gresham Barlow, we do not have a diverse workforce. Um, that I can tell you. I walked into my office being, you know, one of two people of color in all of our district office um, personnel, and we will work towards that. And although I, at the end of the day, I want the best candidate, I also know, again, representation matters. Um, and in order to do that here, we're beginning with our instructional staff of teaching staff of our 11th graders beginning in doing some middle college work with our local um, community college that will transfer up hopefully to PSU or Portland State in order to help grow our own. Uh, Because those are students who grow up in this community. They're committed. Um, And our student population is is very diverse. Uh, You would not know it driving through the streets of Gresham or just looking at the administrative staff or the teaching staff. But I can guarantee you walk into classrooms, you will see that there is a difference in our younger generations that we could, we would definitely be able to benefit from. And if we're going to be a place where we're helping people decide where they want to do and what they want to do and what their passions are, why not create a a pathway of passion for education? And I'm going to jump in here, Jethro. Um, We're even starting that at the elementary school. We are located right next door to a middle school. And uh, we have about 18 students that come over from the middle school to the elementary school to mentor students on a daily basis. And they are able to get excited about the field of education and are introduced to what it means to be an educator and the power that occurs when a child under their tutelage becomes excited about attending school regularly and doing well. And so I think it even starts before high school. Yeah, I think that that's really important because you got to be playing a long game with this because, you know, as a principal, I have uh, interviewed candidates and hired candidates and and the lack of uh, diversity in the applicant pool has been a big issue. And I had a really challenging situation last year where we had a young man who was African-American who identified so well with so many of our kids that he was an inspiration to them. And he was the girls' uh, basketball coach. And it was fantastic to have him in the school because the kids flocked to him because he looked like them and they could relate to him. And I didn't I didn't recognize that until I saw it in person and saw how he changed the dynamic of our school just by being there. And, you know, I talked to this guy didn't have a college degree or or the qualifications to be in a lot of positions in our school. But we were like dying to find something for him to do and ended up finding a tutoring position for him. And the social emotional support that he gave kids in an appropriate, healthy, mature way cannot be quantified how powerful that was. These kids were able to report things that they would never report to their white principal and white assistant principal. They were able to talk to him about challenges they were facing. We were able to uncover some some things that were harming them in our system that we could then change and meet their needs. And I got to tell you that that re- you say representation matters like it's you know like it's important, but it's just part of who you are and not everybody has seen that yet, but you are absolutely right. The representation does matter and seeing someone who looks like you in a a position of authority is really important. And so, I mean, this is going to take a long time for those, you know, elementary kids and high school kids to get to the point where they can start entering the workforce. What do you do to stop to to fill that gap between now and then? 
Well, um, what we're doing here in order to fill that gap, because let's just face it, I mean, we're in Oregon and it's not a very diverse state. I knew that coming, right? But I believe we also have to work with what we have right now. And that comes through professional development um, and ensuring that our, our teachers are, again, culturally competent and responsive to specific cultures that, of course, walk the hallways of our classrooms every single day. You know, right now we are doing something not necessarily district-wide, but nationwide. We're celebrating the Native American um, Heritage Month. But mm-hmm. I, as I am okay with acknowledging that, I also know that we have to, there are 365 days throughout the year that we should all have an opportunity to learn something about different cultures um, and mm-hmm. be able to bring those things in. And as educators, Kimberly will share with you that I I believe that this is a moral imperative and not just because we're supposed to be doing this stuff, right? This is mm-hmm. what we're supposed to do as educators, not just because we think it's the right thing to do, but it is a moral imperative for every educator that walks in the door, knowing that we have to serve every student or each student that comes through our doors every day. Mm-hmm. It's also very joyful. It can be. It can be, yes. If you, yeah. Yeah. You know, changing the trajectory of a student's outcomes uh, is pretty joyful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that piece is is really vital. Again, like Kimberly, you're saying that like we should all know that and we probably do in our hearts. <laughs> but but in the reality, like when you can see a kid who has someone to to be a role model for them, and you can see them. The, their eyes light up when they when they see that person like those things really do matter and and I think that that is that is incredibly valuable so the last question that I ask in each interview is what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader like you two and you guys can choose who goes first something that I'm really passionate about is sharing the responsibility of change and growth towards something a better is not doing it by yourself, to bring along your community, including your parents, your teachers, your students together on this journey through ongoing communication is really critical. And we like to do that at East Gresham through our social media to communicate the belief, uh, the mindset change that experiences uh, that students have every single day really does make a difference. And it not only inspires us as educators, but it inspires our children um, as well every day. For me, I'm going to go back to something I talked about earlier um, are those commitments. And again, I'm intentionally using the word commitments. Um, And I would say decide now, decide this week before it's up. Today is Monday. So it's a fresh start to the new week. And what a prime opportunity to commit to either uh, reducing disproportionate suspension and expulsion rates or commit to increasing early post-secondary opportunities or chronic absenteeism or providing equitable access to effective learning um, or recruiting and retaining or embedding cultural competencies and practices. Commit to one of those things um, and ensure that you're taking deliberate and specific actions to advance that piece uh, of equity within your schools. I would say that a principal or a building leader can begin with that and roll it through their building. It becomes a part of their culture and who they are. And the community I know will jump on board. People may not always agree with you about what necessarily you're doing, 
But if they know that you care and your why and piece of that is to ensure that each student gets what they need, I think you'd have more allies than you believe that you would otherwise. Um, and so I would challenge um, those who want to be transformative to, to commit to a piece uh, that would help advance the equity uh, lens and agenda. I think one, one thing I've heard is to uh, live your why. Yep, live your why. <laughs> Very good. So in order to connect with... Uh, Dr. Kimberly Miles and Dr. Catrice Pereira. Uh, you can follow Kimberly at a few things worth on Twitter, and you can follow Dr. Pereira at AK Pereira. Um, thank you both so much for being part of uh, Transformative Principle. I really appreciate your time and expertise. Our pleasure. Thanks a lot for the opportunity to highlight both what we're doing here in Gresham, but also to let your audience know um, that each student matters. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.